Welcome to another episode of Sensational Customer Experiences. This is the show where we explore the idea that everything your customer knows about you is a direct result of input from their five senses. It's what they see, hear, taste, smell, and touch that determines how much they love you. And now here's your host and consumer experience expert, Wes Miller. Welcome to the Sensational Customer Experiences Podcast. I'm your host, Wes Miller. I'm looking forward to sharing with you this idea about sensory experience playing an important role in the perception that your customers have of everything you do in your business. I've gathered a group of exciting and interesting guests to share their thoughts and their insight to this very topic. Tonight, you're going to have the opportunity to experience one of our amazing guests. First, I'd like to tell you a personal story about a sensory experience that happened to me recently. I had an opportunity to attend the NAB, which is the uh, National Association of Broadcasters Convention right here in Las Vegas, and what a delight that was. And one of the things, I, there were two things that really struck me from a sensory standpoint. One was that as I walked through the hall, which is normally a concrete floor building, I couldn't help but notice the carpeting. And not just any carpeting, but how thick the carpeting was. In fact, without even thinking about it, I was walking the show with a friend, and she commented that the carpeting really made a difference for her. And she said, you know what the floor is. And I said, yeah, it's concrete. And she said, exactly. This carpeting really makes a difference. That is an example when we think about our sensories. Uh, Remember, uh, everything our customer knows about us is a direct result of input from our five senses. And one of those senses is the touch and feel. Certainly, touch and feel came into play as we were walking on that carpeting. And I'm sure that there's some thought about that when they think about how much padding to put in there. Because I've been to the convention center when they've done other shows, and the padding is not as thick usually. So there was obviously some intentional design for this particular show to have extra thick padding, which of course led to the comfort of those of us walking the show. That was one thing I noticed. There was a second thing I also noticed, and that was there was definitely a fragrance being pumped into the air. And as I noticed that as I was walking down the aisleways and and whatnot, I said, that is something that I'm noticing, and it's something that makes me want to stay. Uh, for whatever reason, I just was, was kind of connecting with it. It was kind of a vanilla, a vanilla type uh, smell, and I was really liking that. So two examples that I experienced this week, one was the uh, extra softness of the carpet, certainly touching on the or tapping into the touch sense that we all have. And the other was the fragrance of the hall, having that vanilla fragrance attached itself to my smelling sensory uh, experience. And these are the types of things that customers may not notice directly, but indirectly they do experience it and they do know that it's part of what makes them want to be your customer. So 
as I'm always saying, pay attention to these things that are very sensory in nature. They do impact your customer's experience, and they can, in the long run, be very beneficial to your business and the profits of your business. Today, I'm very excited about a guest that we have who is going to give us all some insight on a topic that they are an expert in. I'm thrilled to be able to have this person as a guest. It's someone that I've known for a long time, and I hope that you will benefit too. Uh, let me tell you a little bit about this person. I uh, am here with Christopher Curtis, who is oftentimes referred to as Sarge, and I'm going to ask him, he may not know this yet, but I am going to ask him to explain more about where the name Sarge comes from, what it means. He is the Director of Concierge Services for the Downtown Project in Las Vegas. Those of you who love Las Vegas and downtown will be excited to know about some of the things he's working on there, and he's going to hopefully give us some insight to that. In addition to that, he does some incredible training programs and projects. He is part of the um, Police Academy instruction. He's an instructor for the Police Academy. Uh, he's an international speaker. And I've had the privilege of participating in a couple of his workshops, one recently. And it was in that workshop when I had a very uh, sensory experience because of some of my own background and some of my own things that have happened to me. And as he spoke, I realized he had an important message that would be uh, invaluable to uh, listeners of this program. And so I, I invited him to participate. And uh, Sarge, how are you? Hey, Wes, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. So let's just start right there. We're, we're, tell me more about the name Sarge. <laughs> so I actually, my first name is Christopher. It's actually a really common name. But I, uh, I was in the Marine Corps. I spent five years in the United States Marine Corps. And I attained the rank of sergeant. And I spent 21 plus years on the Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department, where I also attained the rank of sergeant. So uh, I, people would call me Sarge while I was on the police department. And uh, it stuck. So, so the majority of people that I interact with uh, after I got promoted call me Sarge. So that's where that comes from. Okay. You used to do that. That's your, your past. So how did that bring you to being the director of concierge services for the downtown project? And, and for our listeners, why don't you tell us a little bit about what is the downtown project? The downtown project is a phenomenal, uh, the brainchild of a guy named Tony Shea, who's the CEO of Zappos and also the author of delivering happiness he decided that he wanted to change downtown and decided to invest $350 million into the development of downtown. I just so happened to be the community oriented policing sergeant for Metro at the time. And he saw me and one day he invited me uh, to meet him. I have wondered why he wanted me to meet me. I was like, you know, why, why would he want to meet me? And I sat down and he said, can you create a team of people that do what you do without arresting people? Uh, because I think he saw that my interactions with the people in the community was different than what the typical police officer uh, would do. And I thought about it for about three seconds and I told him I wasn't old enough to retire and he said, we can figure that out. And uh, we made it happen and I retired from the police department. I transitioned into creating a team of ambassadors that make the downtown area feel more comfortable, inviting, and do some, some really phenomenal things to get people to feel more comfortable being in downtown. Because most downtowns, traditionally have a lot of homelessness. They have a, um, a, sometimes an a uptick in crime during the summer months. 
And what the ambassador program that I created, which Tony wanted to use the name, the downtown Rangers, their goal and focus was to make the downtown a cleaner, safer place. And for the last five years, I've been doing that. Interestingly, my title, uh, the director of concierge services is kind of like a, an official title. When we started off, we were very non-traditional and my, and my title was ambassador of good chill. And I used that uh, <laughs> up until we became a more, we realized that we had to become more of a formalized company. A lot of people didn't know what Ambassador Goodchill meant. And, you know, very simply, it was that my, my role and responsibility was to utilize the resources that I had, my, my training experience to make the downtown area more chill. So, but that, that has now morphed into director of concierge services, more all-encompassing. So are you still working on this idea of making it more chill? Oh yeah, that's one. so part of my role. So in the daytime, part part of our holding. So downtown Trump project, we have uh, we, we have uh, real estate. We have some uh, nightlife venues, restaurants, bars, container park. All of those things within that small little footprint. Between it's not really that small. It's about a fifteen uh, block footprint from Fremont and Stewart all the way down to about a little bit past Maryland Parkway. Uh, the downtown rangers are down walking, doing cleanups, uh, giving people directions and directing people in the right direction, tourists and, and, and residents alike. And in the evening, my, my role is to ensure that the nightlife venues are safe and run properly from a security and safety perspective. So my background in, in policing and law enforcement was a big help in that, in that regard. It sounds like when we talk about this idea of being sensational and really tapping into senses, it sounds like there's a role there in this idea of being chill and what it is that you're doing. Yes, big time. Because so I'll give you an, an anecdotal story that uh, relates directly to your, your concept, which I think is, is really impressive. So when the Rangers started out on the street, they were wearing uniforms and kind of walking around and people sometimes are a little apprehensive to approach a person in uniform to ask them for directions. I think it's just a natural instinct. Well, one day, one of the Rangers came in and on his break, he had brought a little ukulele and he was playing his ukulele on break. And everyone was in the room listening and kind of, you know, enjoying and playing his ukulele. And he says to me, he says, Sarge, you mind if I take this out on the street? And having been in the government for so many years, usually you have to go through 10 different people to get an answer to get something done. But now I was on the civilian side of things. He said, you know what? Take it out. He took his ukulele out on the street and it was amazing. People were taking pictures with him, approaching him. And by the next week, nearly every ranger had purchased their own ukulele and walking around with ukuleles, playing ukulele. So from a sensory perspective, you could imagine that you have this really interesting dichotomy of a person in uniform. However, they are now playing a ukulele, but it worked out really well. And it was one of those serendipitous things that occurred that turned into something that ended up at one point becoming a news story um, sometime back. And we got some really great pictures. And so I think that that kind of taps into the concept that you talk about with the senses. So you have pictures. Are those some things that you would be willing to share with us that we could put on the episode page for our listeners to go check out? I have thousands of pictures. If I can track the ukulele pictures down, you're more than welcome to use them. <laughs> okay. And if not, I bet there's some pictures in your collection that would 
be uh, demonstrative of this idea that, as, as I like to say, everything your customer sees, hears, touches, smells, and tastes impacts what they think of you and, and how they perceive you. Yes, 100%. In fact, graffiti cleanup is one of the biggest things that the Rangers do. And we, we kind of, every day, we make the visual aspect of what a person sees downtown better. Um, the, the, the model that we adopted was helping to create the most enjoyable downtown experience worldwide. And the visual aspect is probably one of the most important. Um, but again, the, the smell also, because, you know, the cleanup, part of doing the cleanup is you got to clean up things that don't smell so great. Um, so I, I'm, I'm in full agreement that the sensory perception uh, of tourist downtown is one of the biggest things that we try to tap into. Excellent. So I want to also spend a moment talking about the most recent workshop that I attended with you, uh, which was about uh, safety and about using your senses to be aware of your safety. And it really touched home. I, I didn't tell you this story at the time, but you were talking about how we can sense when things quite aren't right. Yes. And uh, I am a victim of an armed robbery. Mm. And so your workshop really uh, brought up a lot of old emotions and, and really, from a sensory standpoint, had me really, um, I don't want to say upset, that's not the right word, but I, I mean, it was, it was real for me. But it was some things that you said, because I remember when the incident happened, I knew something was wrong. Mm. I just felt it, and I, I was working in a store environment, and I remember thinking, I bet this guy's going to have a fraudulent credit card because there, everything about his behavior, everything about what he was doing just was off. And later in retrospective, I guess the fact that he was wearing gloves should have been one of the key, <laughs> <laughs> key things that I really noticed that things were off. Uh, and then, of course, when he pulled a gun on me, I, I knew what was, you know, that my instincts had been right on, but not necessarily interpreting. You know, I thought, like I said, I thought it was going to be a credit card fraud. Turned out to be much more uh, traumatic than that. Uh, I was very fortunate in that I did not get hurt. I was, you know, I survived very well. You know, no, uh, not a lot of trauma afterwards. But your messaging in that workshop was was really compelling to me, and was one of the reasons I thought we've got to have you talking about from a sensory standpoint, how to be aware of what's happening in your environment. Do you, can you spend just a couple of minutes and obviously sure. not, not giving that workshop because people go to that, but just, you know, tell us more about your thoughts on that. Well, you know, I'm glad you brought this up because uh, I, I, I read a lot about this topic. And one of the things that I did on my time in the police department is a lot of times officers will make an arrest. They get the facts, they transport the prisoner to, to booking, and then they're done when they wrap up their paperwork. For me, I would spend a lot of time talking to the victim, the precursor, uh, things that, that occurred you know, prior to the incident, and I would spend a lot of time talking to the suspect as well. And it brings me to a, a term that police use, it's called JDLR. JDLR in policing, any cop that's been a cop for any time uses JDLR, and that means stands for just don't look right. But just don't look right also means just don't feel right. It's a sense that police have because so frequently we have dealt with instances of, of, of criminal behavior that we can pick up on it and sense it. 
you know, when it's about to occur or person gives us some type of vibe. And I remember one time talking to a, a rape victim and she, a man came to her and she had a panic attack after this rape. And what it turned out was that the man was wearing a very similar scented cologne to the person that had raped her. And I think that our brains want to do nothing more than to protect the vessel that carries it. And there are things that we perceive through our senses that we don't even know that we're perceiving. In fact, I read a very interesting study about deja vu. And the study actually says that deja vu is actually a person, forgive me, I don't know if you can hear my dog is barking, but <laughs> it has to happen. Tell but him we said hi. <laughs> but, but deja vu is actually a person sensing a smell uh, that they had sensed before and they don't realize that they're smelling it. It's very, very subtle. And what it's telling the brain is that you've been here before. So that subtle scent that you are detecting without realizing that you're detecting it is telling you that I've been here before. So when we get to the JDLR thing, criminal behavior is nearly identical internationally. The way that they stalk a person, the predatory behavior, and that JDLR is something that police pick up on. So in a roundabout way, what I'm saying is that in life, uh, we have some innate instinctual defense mechanisms that you probably tapped into when this person walked in, in, in addition to just the gloves, maybe things that you cannot even articulate. I transitioned the JDLR principle into GMA, which stands for gets my attention, which is a more encompassing civilian model to look at it because something gets our attention about a person, whether it's something we like, something we don't like, something that brings us fear, something that brings us angst, it gets your attention. But what we have to truly understand about getting your attention is it doesn't have to be on the surface. It could be subliminal. It could be to a point where it makes your heart race and you're like, I don't know why this person makes me feel this way or this situation makes me feel this way. The sense thing that you're, uh, that you're touching on is, is probably one of the biggest aspects that we deal with from the very moment that we wake up. In fact, I think that it even affects us when we sleep. I think this is so important because I, as I talk with a lot of security people, there's so much emphasis on just looking you know, for what we can see visually. And so one of the things that really resonated with me with your approach was this idea, and you've just talked about it so well, that really all of our senses are engaged. And we've got to, you know, we've got to respect the fact that we have multiple input methods, not just visual, but there is the things that you hear, the things that you smell, all those things. And as you said, a lot of times you may not even be able to identify what it is, but because the brain records and documents all of that and has it there ready for us, it can um, come through to us in the way of our intuitive type, as you said, deja vu kind of experiences. Um, yeah. You, you talk about... Um, JDLR, which is, you know, just don't look right. And I do want to take this moment just to give a little plug for your book, because that concept is on page 12 of your book. And um, <laughs> it, the book is the seven second black belt. And you give a lot of really great you know, background information on the concepts of what you just spoke about, and then top it off by giving 77 different scenarios. And I have to share with you, I've been through some of the scenarios that I was like, 
hmm, I'm not sure how I feel about this or how to respond to this, but I like the fact that it's making me think and get better prepared so that should I find myself in some of these scenarios, I will be better prepared, or at least in some cases have really thought through what to do. So good idea. Really Very appreciate good idea. that. So um, going back to some of this, and, and so a lot of this is really for me anyway, it was new to hear from someone in your position. So one of the questions I wanted to ask you was, you know, in your opinion, do you consider yourself a visionary on this approach to safety and personal experience? I, 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 one of the things, you know, downtown project with Tony Shea is always about humility. And um, so I, calling myself a visionary it's difficult for me to say that. I do believe that I am on the forefront of some of the studies. I'm a firm believer in it, and I am an advocate of sharing this information actively. So if you want to say that's a visionary, then yes, I would say that I would be considered a visionary then. And then so tell us, what's your greatest source of inspiration? Because, you know, visionaries, certainly, you know, I want to find out who's inspiring or what's inspiring them so I can tap into that too. You know, I would have to say that, you know, Tony Shea to me is a person that I admire. I, I just saw him this past weekend. He, we were, and, and Tony is, I think, a little over 40 now. And, uh, you know, he became a billionaire before he was 40. And I saw him at this event and he just came with this concept working with another, some other people um, to do a parade with floats and music and everything and he had this big mohawk and I saw him at this event and he was just acting you know like as if the world was his oyster and just enjoying himself and to me he gave me the inspiration to say I don't have to go through 10 levels of approval if I see something that I want to see happen then just make it happen the other thing that he also says that I find very inspirational is he says that if you are your authentic self the right people will find you be your authentic self and the right people will find you. And to me, that concept is really liberating because so often we feel like we have to act or be a certain way to be accepted. And that's really not the case. If you're authentic and you're your true self, the right people will find you. Uh, glad to hear you bring up Tony Shea. You've, you've mentioned him a couple times. Uh, certainly to those of us in Las Vegas, we recognize him as, as a true uh, leader and someone who is embarking on some phenomenal things. I've been on the tour of Zappos a couple of times. Do they still do those? They do. Zappos does do, uh, still do the tours. I work for a, a downtown project, not Zappos, uh, but they're like a sister to us. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, we have a very close relationship, but they do still do their tours. I, I think I need to go on that tour again. In fact, I probably should uh, do an episode where we maybe are able to document a tour and, and talking about some of the really cutting edge type ideas that are coming out of there. That would be fun. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me about the first impression you like to make. You know, we're talking about sensory stuff, what people see, hear, smell. What, what Interesting kind of, question. What kind of first impression do you like to make and do you like your rangers to make? So interesting question. So it depends on the person that I'm interacting with. Uh, and, and that's important um, because um, sometimes I run into people who I have taken to jail. Sometimes I run into people who are downtown and, and their goal is to do something that's not positive. And I want the person to know that I'm capable of 
making sure that that type of behavior does not occur downtown. Other people, I, I want to just make sure that they know that I'm an advocate of safety and fun and promoting positive experience downtown. But when you asked me that question, I didn't think of it so much as when in, in the work capacity. I thought of it more in just a general capacity when, I, when Christopher Curtis or Sarge meets someone, what do they want? What do I want them you, you know, to see? Or, and I think that I just want, I want people to see an authentic person that, uh, that, that they can trust. Okay. When we first started talking, you indicated that you, a lot of the sensational customer experiences, ideas resonated with you. And there were some things that excited you that you wanted to talk about. I'm, I'm going to give you the chance to kind of run with that now. Tell me what your thoughts are. So when the, fir- the first story I wanted to tell you about was obviously the ukulele story, because that story to me is probably one of the most interesting connections between uh, a uniform safety personnel and just a serendipitous instance that occurred with someone who brought in a, a ukulele. Somebody, uh, some of the other type of customer service experiences that I find fascinating is that, so I explained earlier that uh, at night, during the evening hours, we have some nightlife venues. Well, at these venues, uh, people drink alcohol and sometimes they don't act like their normal self. And, uh, and sometimes we have to engage them to, uh, you know, make sure that they're not behaving in a certain way. Sometimes drunk people do things that, out of character happens frequently in policing for the most part, you know, it was pretty cut and dry. You know, if you commit a crime and you're supposed to go to jail, you likely are going to go to jail for that. In on the civilian side in people commit infractions all the time, but a lot of times my goal is to look deeper into that interaction and figure out how I can enhance the customer service to the other people who are around because the police don't don't care 10 cars come up we block the police block off the street if people have to detour around that you know if it's making a lot of noise or doing you know the police don't necessarily think about the ancillary things that occur around the incident in in the civilian side it's incredibly important that you know let's say that a a person inside of one of the venues does something wrong and the security has to take them in custody into custody the optics of a person sitting in handcuffs in the middle of a nightclub is really bad and it messes up the customer experience, customer service experience, for the other people, the customer experience for the other people who are around. So for my role, it's important for me to figure out how do we transport this person out of the view of other people, even the person that's in custody. You know what? You came in from Podunk, Iowa for a bachelor party. You've never been to Vegas before. Do I potentially want you to come back if your behavior is different and adjusted and you realize, of course I do, because we all make mistakes. We're not the sum of the worst thing that we ever did. And I have to think deeper into that. You know, I, I carry drink tickets with me every evening because sometimes uh, I've had instances where a person's ID didn't necessarily look like them and they got held up at the door by a security staff who were doing their job. They want to protect the, 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 the asset, which is, you know, the, the venue and the liquor license. And, you know, I bring a person to the side and say, you know what? I know you got held up at the door. Let me, let me buy you, you know, your first round, you, you and your team, the first round. I see someone who's has a sash on, it says celebrating my 21st birthday from a safety perspective. I have a whole bunch of people in line waiting and I'll bring that person to the front of the line and I'll maybe say, Hey, let's sing happy birthday to this person. So what happens is, the late, while this thing happens, everyone's laughing, the, sh- the wait in the line is shorter. 
now the people that are walking in are having a, have a better attitude. And that transitions into safety because if you walk in with a good attitude as opposed to a bad attitude, the likelihood of you getting involved in a negative experience inside is lessened. So there are a lot of really interesting ways that you can adjust or correct behavior by just being nice in the very beginning. I love that. It's being very proactive. So it sounds like I need to come up with my own book of 77 scenarios of how you can use senses to create a greater customer experience. I think it's a phenomenal concept. I think I that you'll be getting people all over the country trying to get you in to do to work on those. Yeah, I love that idea of, you know, when you know that someone's having the birthday, get everybody involved in singing. And yeah, you're right. People are distracted now. They don't realize that they've been waiting in line. They, they feel like they've been engaged in a, a, an experience in line as opposed to just waiting. Yep. Uh, that's phenomenal. Really phenomenal. Um, any other thoughts on that? Well, there's also the flip side of that where, you know, you'll have people who, so we have a very strict dress code on certain nights. And one of the biggest things, and, and this is one of those things where I'm going to throw myself in front of everyone on a mis- something. I don't even want to say mistake, but it was a learning experience. So we don't allow people to sag their pants. It's, it's a no, no. In fact, I have a sign in front that says your last chance to pull up your pants was when you left your house. Um, so, so, you know, if you're going to walk up with your pants sagging, I already kind of have a clue that that's not, you keep your pants up. So I remember when there was a one time there was a guy standing in line and the security guys didn't catch that his pants were sagging. And I, and I addressed him and I said, you know, you need to pull your pants up. And the guy said to me, he looked at me, he said, you really need to learn how to talk to people. And at first I was like, you know, I was a hostage negotiator for five years. I study how to talk to people. And I'm usually conscious of the things that I say to people. Instead of responding, I thought about it for a second. And I said, the truth of the matter is maybe what he says bears some truth. Because I know how to talk to people that I like. I know how to talk to people that are doing what it is that I want them to do. Sometimes I'm don't necessarily maybe convey my message the best way when people are not doing the right thing. So I use it as a teachable moment. But again, if we go back to customer service and the sensory, does the people in waiting in line want to hear me going back and forth with this guy about his pants saying, no, they don't. And that's again, thinking about the bigger picture, you go back to the police. And if the rule is, you know, you have to, and, I, and police don't necessarily enforce pants saying, but they could enforce something to, you know, some kind of indecency, whatever. The police will bark the order. If you don't do it, do, you know, ask, tell, make. The police will, will make the person do it. I, um, I learned to adopt a different model because I am a scholar of the things that I do. In policing, there's a guy named um, Sir Robert Peel who's considered the father of modern day policing. In fact, that's why Robert Bobbies, that's why in England they call police Bobbies because of Robert oh, Peel. Interesting. Yes, Robert Peel is a really interesting guy and I have actually some antique books written about him and I study and, and what Sir Robert Peel used a different model. Like police now use ask, tell, make. I ask you to do it. You don't do it. I'll tell you to do it. You don't do it. I'll make you do it. Robert Peel had something that was very, very different. And he said that one should use persuasion, advice, and warning when it comes to policing. So you should persuade a person to do what it is give them advice as to why it's a good idea. And if they're still, then warn them of the consequences that are going to incur 
if they don't do what it is that you tell them to do. This is something that I extracted from his writings that most people never even thought about. So when I teach in the police academy, this concept. So here I will say that I'm definitely a visionary, uh, humility aside, because police are still taking this ask, tell, make model, which is what causes a lot of the challenges that you see uh, in, in society today. Robert Peel has a lot of different concepts that would that help de-escalate. So de-escalation is another thing that I teach. The concept of, of de-escalation policing now has is, is got to change because it's causing a lot, a, lot, a lot of challenges. In the customer service realm that I do, I use some different models that actually bear some of Robert Peel's persuasion advice warning. You've definitely given me, and in fact, I'm going to make sure we include it on the episode page for this episode, some references to his, I'm, I'm assuming some of his works are still available for reading and, and I'm going to check oh, yes. out the library and Amazon and see what I can find with regards to some of the material by him because it sounds like a lot of his stuff even carries over and would carry over really well to some of the supervisory skill type training that that I do for helping supervisors persuade employees to uh, do the things that they want. Yep. As, as soon as you Google Sir Robert uh, he pops right up, Sir Robert Peel. And again, the, the father of modern day policing. Sir Robert Peel, going to check that out when we're, when we're finished here. That is a top, I've written it down. Thank you so much for that. You're very welcome. Um, any other thoughts? I think that's a lot. Okay, <laughs> that's what I'm so that, that moves us into a couple of fun sections. The first one is I, I, I ask all of my guests a fun sensory question. So here's what I pick for you. It is, do you have a favorite t-shirt? And if so, what's on it or what does it say? Oh, okay. I, I ha May I say two? Sure. So I have two. I, I, so vintage t-shirts is my thing. So it's crazy that you asked me this, but vintage t-shirts mm -hmm. is my thing. So one of my t-shirts is a t-shirt that has, uh, it, it's written in kind of like kid uh, font and it says friendly helper and it has a whole bunch of kids on the front holding hands and it's one of my workout shirts. So most people don't know what I look like, but I'm pretty muscular guy with a whole bunch of tattoos. And I have this friendly helper t-shirt on, which has like this kind of interesting, it looks like a kid shirt, but it's on a, 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 a grown man who looks like a, a, like a Marine. So that's one of my favorite ones. And then my other favorite one is my bookstore, a bookstore staff t-shirt, which is also one of my fun t-shirts that I wear to the gym. So those are my two fun that make people smile uh, when they see them. So, you know, I'm, I'm gonna pull your uh, photo off of LinkedIn to put on the episode page. <laughs> and see a little bit what you look at, but when you're going through those photos that when you're looking for that ukulele photo, if you happen to cross a couple of those t-shirt photos and you'd like to have those on the page, we'd love to have that posted for people to see. So awesome. Awesome. Yeah, send that over. And, and, and finally, that does bring us to the, the final part of our program, which is always the segment we call now that makes sense to me. And in this, we ask for one or two strategies from you that, people out in the audience could implement fairly easy or quickly that would give them the, the best, would help them to best develop their own sensational customer experience. Got a couple of thoughts on a, a strategy or two that you can recommend? So the first I will, this one is for those people, the people in managerial or supervisory positions. Uh, one of the things that I think 
has given me the best traction in moving forward is the fact that I, I think my team trusts me. And taking the one-on-one time, not official, this is our scheduled, you know, quarterly one-on-one meeting, just the time where you just go up to your employee and say, you know what, let me take you to lunch today. Let's talk. It's on me. Um, I've learned and gained more information from those one-on-ones that I, I can't even quantify the, the, the benefit and value of saying, hey, let's just go to lunch. Just you and I just want to just hang out and talk. It doesn't even have to be about work. Incredibly valuable. Then from an individual perspective, you have to be daring. You have to be willing to take the chance. We have been conditioned for so many years. And I say we as a people in society have been conditioned to say, you know, I've got to live this certain way. I've got to act this certain way. If I try this, it may not work. Well, you know what? Maybe it will work. And you have to be adventurous. And, you know, for me, it was really, there was a lot of trepidation leaving the police department uh, when I did the security, they called the golden handcuffs. Now, granted, I did end up with my retirement. It was a very beneficial uh, for me in that regard. But again, the security of having that government job and the fact that I loved it so much to step outside to this weird, strange group it took a lot. And I can remember many sleepless nights before my retirement day, which was actually April Fool's Day. Intentionally, I did that. But, but in life, you know, you get one shot at this. And, and, had I, and, I, and then looking back, I'm so happy I made the decision. I wouldn't change a thing about it, um, mistakes and all. And again, I don't like to use the word mistake, you know, teachable moment. Um, so be adventurous. Be daring. And from those people who manage and supervise and lead, take personal time that's not mandated, that just comes from the heart. Some great organizational behavioral strategies. I really appreciate that. This has been a just awesome interview. I really appreciate the time you've uh, dedicated to sharing with us today. I do want to remind everyone that we do have an episode page for this episode. There you'll find links to Sarge's website. You'll see references to his book. Got him to commit to hopefully send me some fun photos that we'll be able to put up there so you'll get to see uh, him in action and how he does things with a at this sensory kick to it. I know you're available for doing different types of workshops, and I can't emphasize enough how highly I recommend you for those types of services and and programs as well. So uh, again, thank you so much. I really appreciate you being with us today. And um, to everyone out in in the uh, audience, hope you took lots of great notes. There's some good stuff here. My pleasure, Wes. It was a wonderful opportunity to sit and and chat with you. Hope we'll do it again. Thank you so much. All right, my friend. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. There you have it. Some great insight and pointers from Christopher Curtis, or as we like to call him, Sarge. Next week, be sure to come back and join us when we interview Ron Gay, who is a jewelry store design expert. He actually designs these stores from the ground up, and he is going to give tons of interesting perspective from a sensory standpoint on how to design your floor plan. Be sure to go to our website, www.sensationalcustomerexperiences.com. There you'll find links to all of our social media pages, and you'll find episode pages for this and other episodes. 
For free tips, resources, and information, visit SensationalCustomerExperiences.com, your premier experience brand brought to you by Training for Results, located in the sensory capital of the world, Las Vegas, Nevada. Until next time, remember, if you can sense it, your customers can too.